a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Everyone and welcome to a new episode of Force Ghost Coast to Coast Multiversity Pro- Multiverses Star Wars Podcast. I am your host Alice W Castle, being joined another time by Brian Salvatore. And this month we are going to be talking both about the Solo a Star Wars Story teaser trailer that dropped uh, just after the Super Bowl, as well as the news that Game of Thrones showrunners. David Benioff and D.B. Weiss will be writing and producing a new series of Star Wars films. But before we get to that, Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, Alice. I'm uh, I'm currently taking a, a a break from Star Wars novels. I read a ton recently, and uh, I just finished up the um, the Canto Bite book about a week and a half ago. So I'm taking oh, nice. A- how was that? It was actually really good. Um, yeah, I feel like if the Cantobite sequences in the film were more like the Cantobite book, I would have enjoyed those sequences more. Not that I dislike those sequences, but one of my complaints about those sequences was just how kind of vanilla casino-y it seemed. And the Cantobite, yeah, I can you. The Cantobite book gives that city far more literal and figurative color than I feel like the film gave it. Right. Interesting. I know I need to read it at some point because am I correct in thinking Saladin Ahmed did a story in that? Yes. Uh, the first story, I believe, is the Saladin Ahmed story. And uh, it, it's interesting. The The story that, that sort of resonated with me the most is by an author that I'm not really familiar with. And of course, I don't have the book in front of me, so I'm not able to tell you the name. But there's a story in it that is, uh, it's all about kind of this, um, I guess you'd call her a, a, a sommelier. She's a, a wine seller. And she right. travels to Canto Bight to buy this like impossibly rare bottle of wine. And it's when I read the description, I was like, oh, this is going to be the boring story in the book. And I, I absolutely loved it. It was great. I, I really enjoyed that story. And the whole book is very enjoyable. Uh, John Jackson Miller does one of the stories as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good. So, And I'm, uh, I'm, uh, this is just my sort of general Star Wars update. I, am, I just finished today watching episode 18 of season two of The Clone Wars. So I'm almost done with season two as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. You're actually really making progress with that. That's actually really <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, if, if everything goes to schedule, I should finish... The Clone Wars by mid-September. Awesome, nice. Yeah. Episode 18, remind me what one that was again? This was, uh, so the three, I, I watched three of them today. I'm going to write them up tomorrow for Multiversity. Um, the first one was a, um, a sort of rarity in the series thus far, which was a Padme-centric episode, where there's yes. a, a senator that's killed, uh, it's poisoned, and she, she and Bail Organa kind of try and figure it out. So there was that one, and then the second one was another... Bail Organa is on the surface of some planet, and Anakin has a new stealth ship, and he's trying to get supplies to him. Um, yes, I, I know the one you're talking about, because my favorite thing about that, and this might weld you out, but that episode, chronologically speaking, according to the StarWars.com uh-huh. official chronology, is the earliest episode in the entire show. Really? Yes, that is what the episode, the like chronology of the uh, the Star Wars com order is. That episode, episode sixteen of season one, then the theatrical movie, <laughs> then episode one and episode three of season three before episode one of season one. I don't understand. There was nothing in that episode that made me think, "Oh, this is definitely happening earlier." Like there were there were no telltale signs of that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the decision was there, but I, I just know that like there there was one towards the end of uh, season two that ended up being the first episode that I would have watched uh, doing the chronolo- yeah. chronologically. And then the third one was um, 
Obi-Wan and Ahsoka and Anakin are stranded on a planet, like a farming planet, and uh, these farmers are hiring bounty hunters to protect them from, uh, oh, I forget the guy's name. He's a villain we met last season. Um, ah, Hondo. Hondo, yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Yeah, super fun character. So those are the three I watched today. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. How are you? I, I, I'm doing really good. I unfortunately, outside of you know stuff we're going to be talking about today, I haven't really done much Star Warsing since the release of the Last Jedi. Okay. Um, I I have I physically own Phasma, the novel. Uh, I should say, and the <laughs> from a certain you, point of view anthology. You don't physically own the character of Phasma. <laughs> God, I wish. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I, I own those two books, and at some point I need to get around to reading them. But for work, working with Warhammer, I do have to read a lot of rules books and narrative stuff for that. So that's been taking up a lot of my time recently. But I'll get there. So. Yeah. And I'm uh, very excited for the return of the final half of the final season of Rebels later this month. Uh, seeing the teaser trailer for that just after Christmas, I want to say. I think that's going to be that's that's going to be interesting. I, I want to see where that goes. I uh, there's like a very very large part of me that wants to take like a week off of work in April or something or March maybe, and uh, just watch all of the Clone Wars, write up all of my reviews, so I can watch the finale of Rebels like in real time. But there's there's no conceivable way, way I could actually pull that off. But yeah, I would like, I would you, like you, to do that. It would be awesome, but that would be like watching Clone Wars nonstop and writing at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it couldn't happen. But I mean, oh, I'm there's there's stuff in that final half uh, season kind of trailer for Rebels that have some massive implications that I can't even get into right now because you haven't seen the episode of Clone Wars it's tying into. <laughs> But we'll get there. We will have these conversations in the future. Yes, we will. <laughs> but for right now, though, I think we're going to jump into this teaser trailer for Solo, a Star Wars story. Okay, what was your thoughts on this trailer? I, I really want to know what you thought about this. Okay, so I, I, I've been thinking about how I want to describe the trailer for a while now. And I think I've come up with a description that you will understand and that hopefully okay. most of our audience will understand. To me, it looked like a film adaptation of a Star Wars Legends film. A book, rather. Right. To me, it looked like a novel adaptation. Because in the Star Wars novels, it seems like all the monsters are a little bit bigger all the mm -hmm. space battles are a little bit more intense. Like, everything is dialed up a little bit because they don't actually have to show it on screen. This yeah. looks like a description of a scene from a Star Wars novel put on film. Does that make sense? I think I think it does. I, I think because it was something I said with Rogue One a lot, which is that you know, five, ten years ago, these stories would have been novels. Right. You know, that's how they'd have packaged those. So having that kind of mentality where, you know, they know they're not tied into the main saga. They know they're not, you know, clearly with this film, we, we're not going to get Darth Vader with this film like we did with Rogue One. You know, we're not going to get this tie into the larger mythology outside of specifically Han Solo's backstory. So I think they need to have that kind of Star Wars but bigger feel to kind of draw on the crowds, mm -hmm. which I think would make sense. Um, but on the other hand, you know me, me, me and giant monsters in space, so I'm entirely here for this. Oh, I, I, I'm not not here for this. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it just it just it felt refreshingly different for a Star Wars trailer. Yes, I I would agree with you because it was something that I noticed with the kind of 40 second, you know, the full trailers dropping tomorrow kind of teaser for the teaser. Mm -hmm. This is a lot darker than I was expecting it to be. 
like visually. Mm-hmm. I yeah. was expecting something much poppier than this. That's an interesting point. I, I didn't even really consider that, but that is certainly accurate. I also think that one of the difficulties of this of this film, and I knew this going in, but I'm shocked by how quickly it sort of has manifested itself, is this trailer has just highlighted for a lot of people that this is not going to star Harrison Ford. And everybody knows that already, mm-hmm. but I can't tell you how many people I saw just on, on Twitter just being like, nope, not my Han Solo, not watching this movie. And I understand if you didn't like the trailer to be like, mm-hmm. oh, this movie doesn't look like it's for me. I saw a fair amount of people being like, the movie looks great, but I don't think that um, I don't think the casting of Han Solo is very good, therefore I'm not seeing this movie. And I don't know yeah, how you can I, make, I, I've seen that as well. I don't know how you can make that judgment by, what does he say, four sentences in the trailer? Five yeah, sentences it's in the like trailer? <laughs> three or four line readings yeah. taken from clearly different parts of the movie. And I want to say, you know, the, the thing about trailers is that the narration that they have is almost always, like, unused dialogue or, <laughs> right. like... <laughs> unused takes from the final film you know it's like it's not the ones that they'd use in the final film it's taken out of context it's to build tone right that being said it is weird hearing who should be han solo without the timber of harrison ford's voice yes i can 100 percent understand why that would kind of rub people the wrong way because Han Solo for so long has been completely tied to a lot of Harrison Ford's mannerisms right? and just the way he speaks. And Alden Ehrenreich clearly has a very different cadence of voice. He he feels much, I don't want to say higher, but there's less of a like clear gruffness to his voice than even a Harrison Ford had in A New Hope. Right, right. And that feels weird to people. But I don't get the straight, well, I'm not going to see it then. You know, and, and, and there's a leap in logic there that I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, we've discussed this also that we feel like, at least I feel like, and I think you agree with me, that Han Solo's voice is the hardest to get right in non-film Star Wars media, like in comics or novels. 100%. His, and so I, I feel like that just extends to this too. This is obviously a film, but it just feels so different to have Han Solo speaking and the the, the cadence and the tone isn't the same. Mm-hmm. I, now, I think the, the one that... What were you going to say? No, go ahead. It's fine. Um, I was just going to say, the, the one that got me was his one at the very end kind of, of post-title card um, where they like... Flip Millennium Falcon round, hit the TIE Fighter in the asteroid, and he turns around and is like, yeah, I thought they had this for a second year, but they're going to be fine. It's fine. It feels less dry than what I would have expected for Han Solo. He genuinely does feel like, yeah, no, we're actually going to be fine. He feels like he's really earnest in that moment, mm-hmm. and I'm not used to an earnest Han Solo. Right. Which I think is going to be where this film's kind of uh, weird idiosyncrasies are because we have to understand that this isn't Han Solo as we know him. Right. This is Roto Han Solo being forged into the person we meet in the Mos Eisley Cantina. So there is going to be that weird feeling of knowing where he ends up, but having to deal with who he is now, if that right. makes sense. Yes. Now, I, uh, <laughs> I, had a, a, I had a moment of adult restraint this week. I saw... Um, Comics legend Kevin Maguire on Twitter Jesus. say something along the lines of, when I first saw Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan, I instantly bought it. I don't buy this. And I tweeted oh. out to him like, did you feel that way after the first Phantom Menace teaser? And he just said, yep. And I let it go. And that's a sign of my maturation because in years past, I would have really gotten sort of more worked up about that. I just don't see how you can compare the two performances when you've seen three films from the one performance and less than three minutes from the other. 
It just seems... Did Ewan McGregor even have any dialogue in the original Phantom Menace teaser, or was it just Duel of the Fates? I remember Duel of the Fates, and I remember him doing a force push to a battle droid. Yeah, that's kind of all... Like, the only kind of scenes I can think of them having of him in the teaser trailer are him fighting Darth Maul. No, I believe... I believe in the teaser trailer, you hear... um, Quagon Jin say Anakin Skywalker meet Obi Wan Kenobi and they shake hands. Oh Jesus, yeah, because that's really the scene that will sell you on Ewan <laughs> McGregor's Obi Wan. So it, it just seems to me like you know I, I'm just getting prepared for the hashtag not my Han uh, mm-hmm. crowd, even though I am fully on board with the idea that this may not be great casting. I am not opposed to that line of thinking. I'm just opposed mm-hmm. to that line of thinking at this point in the game. Yeah, because the evidence we have is not a full performance. Right. And I, I feel like it's coming from... I, okay, this might be a generalization that I might not stand by like <laughs> okay. 10 seconds into thinking this through. But I think we're, we're seeing a lot of hashtag not my hand from people who were all, are already skeptical on more Star Wars post The Last Jedi based on their takes on that film. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Where clearly The Last Jedi was a kind of burning down of sacred idols for certain Star Wars fans. You know, the the kind of things that fandom latched onto, that was a film that threw them out of the window. And then to be followed up with, hey, remember that one sacred idol that is probably the biggest sacred idol in all of Star Wars? Well, here's it with a fresh coat of paint. And that one-two punch, I think, is leaving a lot of kind of, like, old-head Star Wars fans kind of any place where they're ready to just say, cool, I have my three films, six if I'm lucky, I'm done here. Which... I'm not going to say good riddance, but uh, I, I, I think... But we're you're not going to miss them very much. <laughs> no. Not really. Yeah. Um, so now, in terms of the the trailer itself, you know, we're not going to go scene by scene through this, because I don't think there's anything in this that... Like, we, we went scene by scene through the Last Jedi trailer, because there was so much that we wanted to, like, unpack... And I don't think there's yeah. all that much to unpack here. This is very much mm-hmm. a teaser to set the tone of the film and all that. We got yeah. a couple of shots. I, I think, Sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think it gives you only just enough of what the movie will actually be about in terms of, you know, Woody Harrelson's putting together a team for yeah. something to kind of give you that idea of like, wait, what's the the journey of the film going to be? But it's not on the same level as... Like, every scene is a new question <laughs> right. in terms of the Last Jedi trailer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, as I said, we, we got a, a couple of little scenes of Donald Glover as Lando, but no no real dialogue. We got a little not bit Not enough of, scenes. Not, not, never enough scenes of Donald Glover. Um, God, this Lando. might as well be the Lando movie. I'm so excited. I, I, I mark my words... Regardless of the success of this film or not, we're gonna see a young Lando movie with Donald Glover. God, please! If Disney wants to make any amount of money off of these movies, they're already starting to talk to him about it. Just oh, yeah. after the reaction to this tra- trailer, please. <laughs> uh, so we have a couple of scenes of that. We have a couple of scenes of Chewbacca. We get mm-hmm. a, a line or two of dialogue from Woody Harrelson. Um. We get a couple of additional characters here, and I, and this is where I, I want to talk to you. Now, you have read far more of the Marvel Star Wars comics than I have, and I know there was there was a big storyline in the comics about Han Solo's wife. Yeah, is one of the characters in this trailer the character that was his wife in the comics? I don't think so, because. Um, are you thinking about Tanya Newton's character? I honestly know so little about that comic that I couldn't tell you one thing or another about it. So I have no idea. I just wasn't right. sure okay. if, if one of these crew members was the person that's referenced as being his wife. 
then no as as far as i'm aware no because the you know are you okay if i spoil the actual twist of that storyline oh yeah sure um it turned out to be literally just a scam marriage that she was then showing up to collect on a payment that he didn't give her because of course right (laughs) so even if the like the marriage wasn't legit Right. You can't see my finger quotes. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was it it was a fake out kind of storyline wise. Um, but no, I I, I don't think uh, unless she does actually show up in the film later on, I don't think she's one of these crew members. Okay, was there anybody from this? She's trailer? certainly not Amelia Clark, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, was there anyone from this from this trailer who is a comics character? Because somebody had I saw somebody tweet about how this feels very tied into the Star Wars comic, and I wasn't sure if that was just a tonal thing or if there was a character that we saw possibly... There's no one that I recognize. I don't know who Woody Harrelson is actually playing, though. Um, But so far as I know, I don't think we're seeing anyone specifically tied into the, the comics. Okay. I think it is just one of those things where they're commenting on the idea of, as we said, this feeling more like a, an outside story that would have been told in the comics kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if uh, Woody Harrelson's character has a name yet. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm also still is... not sure if this is opening in May. <laughs> they say it is, it... but... They say Memorial Day weekend. I'd, oof, that's closer than I expected for a movie of which we know a surprisingly little amount about. And what we do know seems plagued by problem. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I think this is a kind of solid show of force for a trailer on the back of those kind of uh, production rumors. I, I'm not seeing, like, it doesn't initially look like the kind of film that would have had massive reshoot tonal problems because i mean did you see any of the justice league trailers oh, that, yeah. pop, that dropped like after whedon came involved and you can see scene by scene which would have been shot by zack snyder and which would have been shot by joss whedon right yeah. we're not getting anywhere near that especially in this trailer i don't know if we're going to get that in the film but right. uh at least we're not getting it in this trailer um, Woody Harrison is apparently uh, playing Tobias Beckett, who I'm assuming is going to be the new canon, I guess, equivalent to Gareth Shrike right. from the Han Solo novels. Potentially. Apparently, the one that thing that gets me is, uh, did you, you didn't read uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye at all, did you? No, I did not. Um, according to, I think, one of the, like, Lego sets for the movie that got leaked, or something ridiculous like that, um, it mentions a Mimban Stormtrooper, and Mimban is the planet that shows up in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Oh. So that being a planet that is apparently visited in this movie is wild because the the planet as portrayed in Splinter of the Mind's Eye is this massive like swamp mining planet that is home to a imperial kind of mining I don't want to say colony but operation that is also like not so secretly a black market among imperials so that potentially being a planet where Solo ends up is interesting to me. That is interesting. Um, we have it's also seen... the first appearance of Kyber Crystal. Oh. So I don't know how they might have that into this movie. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, one of the rumors that we've been seeing a lot of is that now Lucasfilm is going to be incorporating a whole lot more of the old canon back in. And uh, mm-hmm. I wonder if this film is sort of the beginning of that. I think it would be cool. I think it gives them the 
kind of canvas to introduce stuff like that. Obviously, as I said, Mimban is a straight reference to the Legends novels and, you know, it is a, in the broad strokes, a story that was told time again in Legends novels, the, the, not just the backstory of Han Solo and his time at the Academy, but like the idea of what Corellia is and the culture there was something that was kind of explored ad nauseum in Legends uh, material. So using this as that kind of a canvas to tell their own version of that while still kind of homaging what came before, I think could be cool. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Although I am just learning. So the, the droid that we see, see briefly in the trailer is apparently entirely motion capture, okay. which is great dope, uh, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I, I don't recognize the name, but the name of the droid is L3-37. They named the droid Leap. The droid is named Leet. Okay. Is it 2008? Am I having a stroke? What's happening? Does that name have Star Wars ref- a connotation that I don't know? No, but it's like Leet speak. Do you remember the oh, stupid God idea of... Yes. Oh. Yeah. oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, boy. All right. Cancel I can't the tell if this was a bad joke from when Miller and Lord were on the film, or if Lawrence Kasdan is that out of touch as a screenwriter, or if it's just like totally random coincidence. <laughs> if it's a totally random coincidence, I will give them that. But I, if oh, Lordy, I, I <laughs> that was oh boy. Anyway, uh, so I, I guess my last no, question about fun. about the trailer for you is just if <clears> there's <throat> if there's a favorite moment you have in there, or a moment that maybe felt the most, you know, traditionally Han Solo to you. Um, I don't know because I feel like maybe it's because I'm coming off the high out of the. 10 on 10 perfect emotional experience that was The Last Jedi, um, which I see with no amount of sarcasm at all. The This trailer that had no real kind of high point for me, if you know what I mean. There was no like single moment which I can be like, yeah, holy shit, new Star Wars movie. It just kind of was just like, oh, awesome. There's a Han Solo movie coming out and it looks pretty good. Um... But I think seeing the the visuals of that kind of freighter chase, that Star Destroyer chase at the end, mm-hmm. is probably what I'd pick. Mostly because I'm a sucker for space battles that do something different. Right. As we talked about when we talked about Last Jedi, why I loved the, the beginning space battle with that. Um, the idea of, I'm, I'm assuming, passing through some kind of nebula. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps to to break off a tale of an Imperial Star Destroyer and just the visuals of the that backlit Star Destroyer passing through space clouds and debris and into whatever the hell this weird tentacle space monster is is dope. But in terms of like story wise, there is not really much that kind of popped for me here. If you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I um. For me, it was actually that that little post title card uh, tag, which is the, the same part you're talking about, but specifically the, the dialogue there, the him assuring everybody that it was okay, even though, like like we said, it doesn't necessarily sound like the tone of his voice is not all that similar to Han Solo's, nor is yeah. the cadence he speaks at all that similar to Han Solo. To me, that dialogue is pitch perfect. Yeah. And I don't know why I, you know, I know that Lawrence Kasdan wrote the screenplay, 
So I shouldn't mm. be that worried about the Han Solo tone because Lawrence Kasdan is responsible for most of the great Han Solo dialogue. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I shouldn't be too worried about that. But it was just nice to see that the tone is is not something I have to worry about too much. Mm-hmm. You know, I was yeah, really I, wor- I was really worried that we were going to get a, you know, yippee type uh, <laughs> type line in there, you know. But I was actually surprised that this film didn't, or at least this this teaser trailer didn't. I was expecting it to front load comedy a lot more than it did. You know, I felt like this was going to be the hey, we just had two pretty dark Star Wars films for what they were. I felt it was going to be the hey, here's the funny one, here's right. the Star Wars comedy. You know, get some Donald Glover lines in there, get some Woody Harrelson lines in there, but it the teaser is playing it really straight so far. Other than like a couple of moments that aren't outright last, like that one, the one that's just before the title card with Amelia Clark's like, "I'm the only one that knows what you really are," and that beat of like Han Solo and his most uncomfortable. Which yeah. is someone figuring out his game, right? Yeah, and trying to brush that off. Like that's for whatever you say about Aaron Reich's actual performance in that moment. That moment is pure Han Solo to me. Yes, I, I, I was surprised. I was surprised that it wasn't as like here is all the jokes. Well, uh, kind I, of trailer. I wonder if they had one of those trailers cut. And then there was such a backlash to the Last Jedi's comedy that they felt like, all right, we got to pump the brakes on this and not necessarily promote this as a funny Star Wars movie because all these people are complaining about how there was too much comedy in the Last Jedi. I guess, but those people are dumb. So. Again, people who don't understand what Star Wars <laughs> I, I wouldn't, is. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have been listening to them. <laughs> but, yeah. So um, I was in a position to listen to people. Only one we get in a Star Wars movie at some point. That is true. Soon. Uh, so I, I guess my my last question here for you, and then if you have anything else you want to add, obviously it's your show. Go ahead and do so. Um, are you more or less excited about the film now that we've seen the teaser? Um, I at least know that it's a real movie. <laughs> Fair. I hope. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't really know how to articulate it, but I, I'm not excited for this movie. I don't think is the word for it. Again, maybe it's coming down from the hype of The Last Jedi. Maybe it's the fact that Han Solo was never really a Star Wars character I overly connected to, or at least not the smuggler Han Solo. I think, to me, Han Solo didn't really become a character I connected to until kind of return of the jedi and force awakens that kind of like post empire has to grow up has to realize that he's part of a larger world han solo is i guess my han solo if i were to put it that way but i like as i've kept saying to people like it's Lawrence kazdan writing a han solo movie i don't know how it could really be bad on a technical level especially when you have Ron Howard eventually coming on behind the camera. I think it's going to be technically really good. I think they have a really good cast. There's just not much of a, I guess, spark for me, which is kind of weird to say about the Star Wars movie, but I I know I'm probably going to enjoy it once it does come out. And see, everything you're saying right now is how I felt about Rogue One before I saw Rogue One. Okay. I was not, not that I wasn't on board, that's that's the wrong way to put it, I was just so invested in the new Force Awakens characters that I right. wasn't necessarily looking forward to going back and, and having this, like, you know, this sort of filler film that tells a story that doesn't really need to be told, blah, 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 mm-hmm. but now I count Rogue One in the top five Star Wars movies of all time, you know? Um, yeah. And I know I know there's only you know, nine films in there, so saying top five isn't that big of a deal. But but you understand my point, you know. It's a uh, so I am yeah. I am similarly not like 
you know, at this point, when we were three and a half months away from The Last Jedi or The Force Awakens, I was thinking about the film on a near daily basis. I yeah. am I am not focused on Solo. It is not no. part of my media diet yet. Like the, the you know, I'm not thinking about it. I'm not really reading a lot about it. It's just it's there, and that's fine. But I am mm-hmm. sure once I sit in the theater, I'll be enjoying this movie. On yeah, some level, one of the things I'm actually interested in is, I guess, the style of the film. Because obviously, the the teaser trailer, as I mentioned, feels visually a lot different than what I was expecting. Like you're saying, I, I expected this to be the poppy comedy version of a Star Wars film based on who most people think Han Solo is. Um, I was expecting, you know, brighter colours, a kind of wacky adventure vibe, but like tonally and visually it seems much darker, and with the way Rogue One played with form and you know, not having the title crawl, kind of having visuals that felt unique. Like, Rogue One had a look to it that didn't feel like a saga film, you know? Yeah. I want to see what Ron Howard and the kind of leftover material that Lord Miller did, if any, how that plays into what makes Solo feel more than just the Star Wars story, but like a unique kind of take in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. I, I'm more, I guess, intrigued than excited at this point. But I, I, you know, I know that as long as Donald Glover's Lando lives up to the hype, I'm going to enjoy the movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So, everything really... away. F- yeah. yeah, I think we're ready. <laughs> Let's take a quick break here, so we can put a little, uh, a little love for another multiversity podcast in here. Oh yeah, sure. So we'll be right back. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we're back. Welcome back to, as we were talking about, the talking about the solo Star Wars story teaser trailer. Uh, and now we're going to pivot away from a film that we're interested in to a series of films that we know nothing about. Welcome to the wild mass guessing portion of this podcast. <laughs> um, following on to the news that uh, Game of Thrones showrunners David Benioff and D.B. Weiss have been hired to write and produce, I should not not direct, uh, in that sentence, a new series of Star Wars films that are going to be separate from both the episodic Skywalker saga and Ryan Johnson's separate trilogy as a writer what what did you think about this news okay well a little bit of context is needed here i have never seen a game of throne um i it's one of those things where i feel like everybody i know presumes i would be into it and it's just i can see why to be honest yeah i mean I, i like tolkien i like fantasy stuff i like you know I, 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 you know, not super big on incest and murder, which I understand is part of it, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it's one of those things where I feel like it's just, I probably meant to watch the pilot and forgot to, and then said like, oh, I'll catch up with that eventually. And here we are, and I've never done that. Um, yeah, like seven years later, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, I... Uh, I think that this is a really interesting decision, but I want to hear from somebody who has seen a Game of Thrones or two before I talk about that. So what was your initial reaction and what is your sort of uh, relationship with Game of Thrones? 
Well, sorry about that. I accidentally just unplugged my microphone. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so I should also caveat that I gave up on Game of Thrones. So I, I've never been someone who's read the novels. Um, I was only introduced to Game of Thrones through the TV show and was introduced kind of, I don't want to say late in the game, but it was already like the start of season two by the time I'd caught up with uh, the first season. And it was pretty good. Like technically the show was pretty enjoyable, but, and I, I don't, kind of mark this down to Weiss and Benioff, but my problem with Game of Thrones is my same problem with Walking Dead, is the anyone-can-die storytelling mentality, where by the time you've killed off like 10, 15 characters that you introduced in the first season, and you get to like the fourth season, and it's a bunch of new characters that you're introduced, and I don't care because I know they're going to die, that's when my interest just drops like a cliff That's and interesting. That, okay. yeah that, that that was the moment where um i believe it was the start of the fourth season that i kind of found my interest waning i missed an episode one week and then all of a sudden it was like season six <laughs> you know and I, yeah. I just dropped it completely um so my my problems with game of thrones as a person doesn't really come down to these two but from what I've heard from people that are more into the novels is that some of their handling of uh, the material in the books hasn't been great, especially for, as you said, a series characterized even by someone who doesn't know it as being a lot about incest and murder. <laughs> like, there is a lot of even more unnecessarily added abuse of female characters and stuff like that under their watch, which I, I don't know how that will play out in a Star Wars context, because hopefully incest and murder is, is something that we want to move away from in Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the murder, but the incest, definitely. <laughs> um, um, my so main takeaway from this... I, sorry to interrupt, but no, go ahead. just to kind of finish this up, my, my main takeaway from this is it's another set of white guys writing Star Wars in a time where I want more diverse voices in Star Wars. I completely agree with that part of what you said. Completely, 100%. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw this. There was somebody on Twitter, I can't recall now, who it was, and I didn't prepare for this because I'm a bad podcast guest, but um, somebody today had said that they, maybe it was last night, withdraw their complaint about the lack of diverse voices in Star Wars because there is a forthcoming announcement about a Star Wars TV series that will answer all of these questions and then some, essentially is what was said. That like... Okay. That there is stuff coming, and it's going to be very, very inclusive, and so just wait. It's coming. Now, that's a very convenient thing to say. Um, yeah. Let's let's actually see it before we feel that way. Um, so I agree with that part of it. I, I There's a really interesting dynamic here. So the first person I thought of when I heard this was my nephew, John. John's like 24, maybe 23, 24, and is somebody who is like, you know, he has a weekly Game of Thrones party. He is not right. your typical like sci-fi fantasy guy. I don't know if he's ever seen a Star Wars film, but he loves Game of Thrones. And I wonder if Star Wars is reacting a bit to the Ryan Johnson backlash and wants to give sort of people who don't have an entry point into Star Wars, a really easy entry point in by pointing to this past work. Whereas, like, before The Last mm -hmm. Jedi, I told a lot of people, like, I can't wait for the film because I love Ryan Johnson. And they were like, what's Ryan Johnson done? And I was like, you know, Brick is one of my favorite films. No one knows Brick. Like, he's like, yeah. do, do you remember that Bruce Willis time travel movie with, Philip, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt called Looper? 
They're like, maybe? Like, well, that guy. I feel like this is a way for Star Wars to say, hey, remember Game of Thrones? Remember how you loved that? Those guys are making Star Wars movies now. So I wonder if part of it is just this, like, name recognition um, move that will ultimately, you know, if they're... If they're writing the films, they will have obviously a big part of of that. But they're also going to have to be working with with the with the story group. You know, Star Wars yeah. has these people whose job it is to make sure that the films don't get too rapey and incesty and whatever. You know, because yes. they have this multi billion dollar property to protect. But also, if they're going to be bringing in directors, you know, they might very well bring in some really great directors to work on these films. So I don't know enough about these guys in particular to make a judgment call here. What Mm -hmm. I find ultimately fascinating, though, is that we know of a minimum... And this is called the new series of Star Wars films. They did not say trilogy. They very specifically did not say trilogy. Yes. Um, I think, and this is where the wild speculation begins, Alice... I have a feeling that they're going to give them a corner of the Star Wars universe and say, like, hey, the Old Republic is yours. Or, or like, I'm not saying that, but, or, like, you know... You wouldn't me, Brian. You wouldn't me. (laughs) Just giving them, like, I'm not saying specifically the Old Republic, but just, like, giving them a, a time frame or a planet or something and say, like, you guys are this cloistered off little world do what you want with it because that benefits everybody way more than trying to have them integrate into something else because like Ryan Johnson's new trilogy, I firmly believe that while that is not going to connect to anything else, that is going to be tonally similar to what we've seen before because we've seen him do that in the last Jedi. I don't think this new series of films is going to be tonally anywhere near Star Wars. And that in some ways that's a good thing. Yeah. But I also think it's important that they sort of uh quarantine this over into a little corner of the universe that doesn't necessarily need to have a lot of impact. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does make sense. And I I think I I I guess I'm personally resentful of the narrative of the I guess the Ryan Johnson backlash TM, you know what I mean? As someone who unequivocally, be, unequivocally loved the Last Jedi. Oh yeah, seeing yeah. The, the idea that Lucasfilm is now on the back step because of the race of that film and its reception really annoys me because I just want more of that kind of risk taking filmmaking, and this feels like a safe bet in the same way that. J.J. Abrams coming back in to direct episode 9 felt like a safe bet. And I have that same level of kind of like frustration I don't know what to do with. If you know what I mean? Where I I know there's so many more diverse voices that could be great in a Star Wars setting and to go with just the Game of Thrones guys for now feels... Like, I'm just kind of like, yeah, but, like, there's so many more people that you could bring in that would be so much more interesting than these guys. And obviously, this is speaking without any context of what they're actually planning, what the final product will be, anything that. It's literally just a gut reaction. But my gut reaction is less white dudes behind the scenes and... Star Wars, because I, I saw, oh, I think it was on the Vulture, maybe, uh, this morning. I, 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 I'm I a bad podcast host because I didn't prepare this, but there was a uh, an article looking at kind of the trend of writer-directors on Star Wars films, uh, and one of them was a woman, and that was the Lee Beckett credit for the... Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Which, by many accounts, her draft didn't actually end up feeling uh, like what the final film did. She just got a credit for having worked on it. Right. The rest of them are all white guys. Right. Now, as a as a white guy, I want to say there are only two white guys I want to see make Star Wars movies ever again. 
ever again. Okay. Ryan Johnson and me. Yeah. Other than that, <laughs> fuck off, white guys. I'm cool with never seeing another white man get the Star Wars movie. Now, I agree with everything you're saying, and I think it's very hard to not see this as a poorly timed announcement because, like, we are living in mm-hmm. we are living in the hardest time it's ever been to be a white man. Which is still the easiest time it's ever been to be anyone else. Like, you know, it's today yes. being a white man is still much easier than being a white woman, a person of color, uh, especially a straight white man. You know, it's just, it's whatever. We all know this. Yes. Um, I do wonder, though, if, if this part of it is going to be not a big deal in six months or a year when we get more details of the next set of shows or the next standalone movie or whatever you know what i'm saying yeah. like this all could feel irrelevant in six months or yeah, a year if this is the the spearhead of like basically disney announcing what their plans for star wars is over the next kind of five to ten years and the rest of these plans involve more diverse voices people who aren't male people who aren't white then i will be all for that the the more i hear about that the better and like one one of the tweets I saw this morning, um, again, bad preparation didn't actually save it to credit it properly. But as you said, with uh, kind of throwing this announcement out to kind of garner uh, kind of uh, like like a litmus test, while kind of having a, a backup kind of announcement that will be more diverse. This tweet I saw was actually claiming that. While there are women and people of color kind of working behind the scenes, Lucasfilm isn't putting them in the forefront because of the backlash of The Last Jedi and the way people were targeted through that. And that's also what has me really annoyed. Because if that's true, that's even more frustrating for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is... You know, again, we are just speculating wildly here. We have no idea yeah. what we're talking about. And, you know, they could announce tomorrow that the director of the first of, the, first of these films is, I don't know. I'm trying to think of somebody I'd be really excited about. Jordan Peele. Let's say Jordan Peele's going to direct yes. this movie. That would my, be... my, the, the name that came to me was Ava DuVernay. Even better. Like, those are those are great names. Um I would even like. I mean, there's there's so many directors I would love to see. <laughs> I would love to see somehow a Greta Gerwig Star Wars movie. Not gonna happen, but I would love to 100%. see one hundred percent. One hundred percent. I want that movie. That'd be fantastic. Uh, Lucas, from you heard it here first, you have at least two tickets bought in advance for that movie. Alice and myself. Um, but you know, one of the things that makes this that makes this whole conversation very frustrating is just that of all of the media companies out there, I think Lucasfilm probably plays everything closest to the vest. But what's mm-hmm. like, so <laughs> jumping over to comics for one second here, I recently interviewed Dan DiDio and I said to him, like one of the frustrations as being a fan is I'm a huge fan of the Captain Marvel Shazam character. And he's been asked yeah. a thousand times, like when is this happening? And he was just like, we have a plan. Don't worry. It's happening. And we haven't seen anything yet. And this feels like yeah. that. Where Lucasfilm's like, oh no, we're going to address this. We are. Wink, thumbs up. But, you know, but we haven't seen anything yet. And so it's hard to feel confidence mm-hmm. in the fact that they're going to actually do something with this if we're not seeing that play out at all. Yeah. Because it's not like... Like, one of the things I love about The Last Jedi is how it showed a really diverse group of heroes on screen. And they all felt unique to themselves and their own stories while also kind of building what Star Wars could be and you know to undercut my entire point was a story written and directed by a white guy mm-hmm. but it's also a film built around the trappings of what it's like to be a white male in our society and the expectations of I don't want to say privilege because it's such a buzzword, but to make the and to make the entire film based around the the 
lineage of your your straight white guy villain who at every step is infantilized and emasculated and who has the chance to turn back to the light side and to acknowledge his actions and when given that opportunity doubles down on those actions and just makes an even bigger tantrum because he wants to get what he wants I think is a very telling kind of storytelling point that Brian Johnson was trying to make and to see everyone react the exact same way as Kylo ended up reacting towards the end of that movie towards that movie kind of shows me what Star Wars fandoms even like these days but in a way I kind of not not to bring this even more down but we are a comics website the the comics gate stuff that's happening on Twitter where people of color you know people who aren't straight people who aren't white people who aren't male um are being targeted for their place in comics because certain people think they shouldn't have a place in comics while also showing that they don't care about the comics themselves. They right. care about not having people in comics because it's all they, they, what they want to do is get all the SJWs out of Marvel. So they're going to target, you know, non-white, non-straight, non-male creators who don't work for Marvel, you know? It's baffling, and it's the same kind of thing that I'm seeing with Star Wars, where the people who are angriest about Star Wars, the people who seem to care le- the least about what Star Wars actually means, and I don't want that to actually affect how Lucasfilm treats this property. And I guess we we have a little bit of time before we'll know if this is how Lucasfilm is going to treat this property. Yeah, you know, we obviously. Re- like the the idea that this is in reaction to the the backlash of the last Jedi is not something I'm seeing with certainty. Right. This is probably been in talks for a while, but it's it's just something that kind of has me down recently. See, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is that I feel like the uh, for a long time everybody presumed that after Episode Nine we were going to get another series of saga films at some point. Mm -hmm. And I'm not naive enough to say we're never going to get those films because you never say never, especially when it comes to Star Wars and when it comes to a lot Mm -hmm. of money being thrown around. But I really do think we're going to see a five to ten year span where Star Wars is going to leave the Skywalkers behind to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of that is going to be Letting Star Wars become something that is bigger, not not bigger, that is wider than what Star Wars is currently understood. Like I think if you ask somebody today, even someone like like you or me, who's who's been Star Wars fans our whole lives and who have engaged with more than just the the eight saga films, I think like mm-hmm. if you ask them like, what is the central like thesis of Star Wars? In a lot of ways, I might still say the Skywalker family. Right, that's a big part yeah. of it. I think we're going to get away from that. And I think part of getting away from that is letting all these different voices take the characters and take the world and take the tone and just do vastly different things with it. And so mm-hmm. I'm hoping that Lucasfilm is rolling this stuff out in a way that that is going to start showing that diversity behind the camera. But they also need to... I, I feel like... Part of the problem here, and I'm I'm rambling, so I apologize. But uh, part of That's the problem, right. part of the problem is that people, like I think people are scared to leave the Skywalkers behind. And so yeah. if you're going to have them do that, you have to get them excited. And so for folks like us to hear Ryan Johnson trilogy, I don't care what characters are in that. That excites me. Yeah. For other folks, hearing Game of Thrones produce Star Wars is going to get them excited for that. And I just hope that they're that they're using these sort of big, exciting, marquee names now to prepare people for the widening scope of Star Wars that will allow for those more diverse voices. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I hope that's kind of how things play out. I'm reading this very optimistically, as you can yeah. tell. But I'm, you know, I really don't know. That's the whole thing. We don't know yet. And, uh... 
I, I hope for the sake of, of you, one of my best friends, that it's not the old Republic that uh, these guys oh, are, are put in charge of. I, I would... Uh, if, the thing is, I, I will say this, and if they do end up writing really great movies, I will eat crow. You know, I, I will admit my mistake. Uh, and if they do end up making some really good old Republic movies, I'll eat crow even more. Who knows? But uh, it's mostly just because I want to make the old Republic movies. <laughs> um, Lucasfilm, we are both available. If you if you I, want us, we are available. I, I will make that Kenobi film for free. You don't even have to pay me. And I will make the Lando film for free. I think, I think to tie this up and kind of tying both of them together is also one of the reasons why I am finding it hard to get excited about Han Solo or Solo is I am ready for Star Wars to, to leave the Skywalker lineage behind. And I hope that's kind of, you know, that was kind of what The Last Jedi was getting into, which is, you know... I have this whole thing about how people are reading the last die idea that's presented in that film and how I don't think that's the thesis the film is presenting as true, but that the past is important, but you should be ready to move on when needed. And I'm ready for Star Wars to move on to something different and to follow that up with, yeah, but what was Han Solo doing as a teenager doesn't feel like that and i know it's gonna be good but it does feel like kind of treading back on that territory that you know even though we haven't maybe seen this version of the tale we know han solo like is there really much that we can learn about han solo in this movie that we never have guessed based on who he is by the time he gets to moss eisley right but you know what it's a star wars movie I'm, I'm probably going to enjoy it. The the other thing is, you know, and I was thinking about this. So I had the the absolute privilege. A friend of mine got me into a press screening of Black Panther last week. I and saw. I saw your review. Yeah. So I I have seen Black Panther and I loved 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 Black Panther. Um, but that's a whole other story. But what I was going to say is, I feel like Doctor Strange was to me the first Marvel film where I saw people, like, question what a Marvel film should feel like and what a Marvel film should be. They mm-hmm. were saying, this isn't this isn't what Marvel film should feel like, whatever. And you knew at some point that a Marvel film was going to disappoint people. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, like, thank goodness it was Doctor Strange and not Avengers, because that would have fucked their plans, you know, right <laughs> up. So in some ways... If Solo is the movie that kills the, like, post-Lucas streak of good Star Wars films, I would rather this be the one to do it than The Last Jedi. I guess, yeah. Uh, although I, I'm assuming some people will argue that it was The Last Jedi that oh, killed that streak. Yeah, but yeah. those are dumb people. Just, just, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um... <laughs> But yeah, it's still a good time to be a Star Wars fan. I just hope that throughout the year we we get to see a bit more of Star Wars as it could be rather than as it has been. Yes. I I am really, really curious to see when and what is going to be announced for the Disney streaming service. Because there was a report today, I don't know if you saw this or not, there's a report say that multiple Star Wars shows are coming to the streaming service. Yeah, I'm. I feel like there is a lot going on behind the scenes at Lucasfilm that we have not remotely been privy to. Yeah, and my, I'm. A... My guess is that one of them is. First of all, I'm pretty sure the Cartoon Network relationship's done, so I think it's yeah. going to be a Dave Filoni produced animated series. One hundred percent, the kind of Rebels follow up. Yeah. Right. And then one of them is going to be a live action thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to see, like, see, 
and this is a whole other conversation we don't have time for tonight, but I, I wonder if this Marvel Star Wars show is going to be in the, not Marvel, this Disney Star Wars show is going to be in the model of like the Netflix Marvel series, like the 10 episode season, or if it's going to be 22 episodes of a season. Because what I was going to say is if they're mm-hmm. going to do sort of these two bigger shows, right, an animated show and a live action show, I wouldn't be surprised if they started doing like, a three-episode little mini-movie. Hmm. A five-episode mini-arc thing. Because you have the streaming platform. You don't have to conform to what a network wants you to do. Yeah. So you can kind of do anything. And so I just hope that Star Wars... I want a Blue Sky pitch here. I want to just be whatever you want Star Wars to be, we can make Star Wars into that. Yeah. Um, And I think that's where... Star Wars is at its best is when it can be whatever people want it to be based around those core themes, that core morality of good versus evil, of, you know, not even just good versus evil, but selflessness versus selfishness. Right. And how selflessness should win out in the end. I would love to see that. And... As I'm going to harp on about for a while now, I think the best place to do that is to have more diverse voices in telling Star Wars stories. Because we're seeing it in novels, we're seeing it behind the scenes in TV, we're seeing it behind the scenes in comics. I think we need to see it in the films. And if we do get it, live action series. Absolutely. Co-signed. Yeah, I I think that's a... That sounds about us. Yeah, I think so. Do you have any last thoughts for tonight? Uh, go to multiversitycomics.com. Check out our Star Wars and other coverage. Yeah, I will uh, very likely be returning to cover the final half of the Star Wars Rebels final season that I believe... Is uh, February 24th or 28th is returning on. It's the end of this month. Um, I will be posting about it on my Twitter, Alice W. Castle, when I will be returning to cover that. Uh, yeah, where the folks, where can the folks find you on the internet, Brian? Uh, at Brian Needs a Nap on Twitter. Uh, I said every Wednesday, well, this week will be Friday because I had some dog-related issues this week, but... Uh... Every week I'm, I'm reviewing uh, two to three episodes of The Clone Wars, so I will be uh, doing that until September, I guess. And then I kind of have a fun idea for after The Clone Wars is over, but Ooh. we'll talk about that later. So that yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Yes, and as I said, I am at Alice W. Castle and on various places around the internet. And as always... May the force be with you.